You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. Well, my name is Benjamin. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're going to be going, looking at what God has to say about our lives. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached. And, and Jesus has some things to say to his believers, to people who have chosen to follow him. It's not a message to those who don't want to follow him. It's not a message to religious people. It's a message to those who desire to know God and follow after him. We've been looking at the way he says a kingdom person is to allow him to manifest himself through them. What sort of attitudes and lifestyles and, and care and love and, and a, a character they should assume. Today's sermon is called, Don't Become a Critic or a Chump. It ties into what we looked at last week, and it also ties into what we looked at this week. Uh, So this week, we're looking at the way Jesus says our attitude is to be towards other people, certain kinds of people, and and he's telling us the way uh, next week that we can actually do it, because what he's asking us is a hard thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do, and so this week, it's how what to do, and next week, it's how you do it. So we're going to be in verses 1 to 6 this week. The reality is, as Christians, and if you've grown up in the church, uh, you would have seen this. Maybe you've uh, experienced it sometime in your life. If you've not grown up in the church, maybe you've seen it in other Christians. The reality is, is sometimes as Christians, we wander into the ditches. God lays out a path for us. It's a road. It's a narrow road for us to walk. He desires us to walk it. He says it, it'll, you'll have the best life you can if you walk this road. Everyone around you will benefit if you walk this road. But often we go into the ditches. Because in the ditches, it often looks easier. In the ditches, it often looks like it's trailing the path, but it's not the same. The ditches is never where God desires us to be. And today, we're going to look at some ditches that Christians can sometimes find themselves in. Becoming critics or becoming chumps. So let's pick it up. Verse 7 of chapter 7. Or sorry, verse 1 of chapter 7. Do not judge, Jesus says, so that you won't be judged. I remember I was sitting in an office when I was still a military instructor, and it was the instructor's office, and we were writing up reports, and somebody's passing around a magazine. It was, uh, I was new a Christian, maybe five, six months uh, at that time, and I knew I didn't want to look at the magazine because there was some stuff in it that I knew I didn't want in this new road that I was walking. And so uh, it came to me and I just passed along, didn't say anything to anyone. And a guy named Steve, a great guy, later became a Christian, uh, he says to me, oh, Ben, too good for us, eh? Judging us now that you're a Christian. He says, I went to church. I know Christians aren't supposed to judge. You shall not judge. And then they all started piping in and I said, I'm not judging. I'm just not choosing to partake. 
But that's a concept that often people think that Christians aren't supposed to judge. And if you take that at face value and don't read the rest of it, you would say that, oh, Christians aren't supposed to judge. I'm never supposed to evaluate someone and make an assumption about them. I'm never supposed to look at their behavior and come to a conclusion about them. But if that's true, then the Bible's got a big problem. Because if you look at the rest of the Bible, you'll see people confronting other people about certain things. Elijah in the Old Testament, who's a prophet, he spoke for God. Uh, He was confronting King Ahab, an evil and wicked king who was leading the people into all sorts of problems and destruction. We see Paul the Apostle uh, going after some Jewish Christians who had come into the church and who were, who were spreading all sorts of false teaching and really confusing people. We see uh, Jesus in John chapter 7 uh, say this, stop judging people to the outward, uh, based on their outward appearances, rather judge them according to their character. Right? And so Jesus is saying, hey, hey, stop making assumptions and basing your, uh, your opinion of them based on their outward appearances. Look at their character. And decide from that point. So is Jesus saying being judgmental in, in one minute and then saying not to judge in the other minute? Is there an error in God's word? Is God not capable of maintaining his word throughout the centuries? Well, no, it isn't. If you go down later to verse 15 in chapter 7, Jesus will say, Be on guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So Jesus is saying, be aware, watch, get ready, be prepared. You need to watch out for certain kinds of people. So what does Jesus mean by then when he says, don't judge? What's he saying to us, Christians? Well, again, the English language doesn't nearly have the the width and the depth that the Greek language had. The Greek language was a much bigger language with many more describing words. And so we look at judge, and we don't see that in the Greek, which the Bible was originally written in. That comes from the word krino, which means to make a harsh, self-righteous, hypercritical evaluation of a person based off of a few circumstances. So it's a self-righteous. It's from the point of view that I'm better, and therefore I have the right to judge you uh, in a hypercritical meaning, looking for any sort of little inconsistency in their life, pretending that you've got it all together yourself when you don't have all the facts. So Jesus says, do not judge so that you won't be judged. Because none of us is the final judge, are we? None of us get to assume the uh, throne of the judge and pick up the gavel and make final assumptions, final judgments on people. Because none of us know all the circumstances in their life. We can't see everything that God can see. God sees everything perfectly. He looks into the minds of people. He sees everything that's done in the dark, but we don't see that. So it's like maybe sometime you make an assumption based off somebody's clothing that Ah, that person is trying to get attention and get everyone to look at their body based off the clothing that they wear. But you don't know that, right? You don't know that because you don't understand all the circumstances. They might have never uh, even thought about it. They might have grown up in a culture where that clothing was what they wore. It just may be that that's all they've ever known, but you don't know that. You don't know that, or they don't know that to you, maybe it's a temptation, right? So you don't get to be the final judge, Jesus is saying. Or then, often, judges, critical people, often end up getting judged themselves. You ever notice that? 
You ever been around somebody who is hypercritical? Like they're looking for any little flaw in everyone else around them. And often, they're the ones that end up getting judged by everyone else. Oh, don't go around so-and-so. They'll just judge you. They're so hypocritical. They're just, they're just always on everyone about everything, right? That's what happens. That's why he's saying, or you'll be judged yourself. Then he goes on in verse 2 to say, For you will be judged by the same standard in which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. I've heard it called the boomerang effect. I never liked boomerangs as a kid. I watched a movie once where he threw it, and it was a metal one, and it came back and off the fingers. So as a kid, I was always like, ah, I don't want that to happen to me. But sometimes, right, what we throw out comes back and gets us ourselves. And Jesus is saying, if you become a hypercritical person, you're going to end up getting judged by the same standard that you're dishing out to everyone else. We see that in the Bible. Remember in the book of Esther, Esther is a, a book about when the Jews were about to be eradicated by the Persians. And uh, there is this evil man who hates them uh, named Haman. And he has made some gallows, and he's going to hang this guy, this Jew named Mordecai, by these gallows. He's lying, and he's thieving, and, he, and he's judged all the Jews to be a filthy people that don't deserve to live. But it ends up that he ends up getting hanged on those very gallows himself. The boomerang effect came back and hit him. There's another guy in the book of Judges. Judges was showing us uh, what it's like when there, God's moral law was not in a land. And if you, you can see that if you look at the news and see there are many lands that haven't been blessed with God's moral laws as we have, where it's just anarchy. And we see that in the book of Judges. There's this king as the Jews were fighting. Uh, he was in Judges chapter 1, verse 4. It said that this king, uh, Bezek, that every time he would conquer a nation, he would uh, take the thumb and the toe, the big toe, of all of his captives, and he would make them be servants, uh, pretty much beggars in his kingdom. But it happened that when, it, uh, when he was conquered by the Jews, they, he had the same thing happen to him. And he says in this book, 70, 70 kings with their thumbs and toes cut off were used, used to pick up scraps around my table and be my servant. But now God has repaid me for what I have done. Often, when you dish out hypercritical uh, judgments on people and can't look at yourself first, you end up getting a measure of your own criticism. You ever hear of the idea of you reap what you sow? Well, that's true, right? You reap what you sow. We see that so often in people's lives. If, you, if you're hypercritical of everyone around you, eventually no one will like you. It's not that they've got the problem. It's you with the problem. You're the one who's judgmental. You're the one who can't just step back and allow, understand that nobody is perfect. Only Jesus Christ is perfect. And everyone has some challenges they're struggling with. Then he goes on in verse 3 to say, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, or the stick, depending on your translation, but don't notice the beam of wood or the log in your own eye? Hypercritical people, judgmental people, often spend their time looking. They don't just glance at it. They're looking for little inconsistencies in other people's lives. Before they take care of their own garbage... They're looking for everyone else's garbage. Don't miss that. It says, why do you look 
at the splinter in your brother's eye. It's somebody looking. It's somebody, huh? Oh, yeah. See you. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I know your stuff. Oh, yeah. You're really bad. Right? And they're always evaluating. They're searching for the faults in others. Yet, they've got a big, fat beam in their own eye. A big, fat inconsistency in their own eye. They've got their own sin, their own garbage that they've been dragging around with them since the childhood or whenever, and they just don't want to deal with it. It's there. Everyone can see it. They can't see it. It's there. They're often hurting people with it, and they're often walking around. Look at, hey, what? You. You with the glasses. Stand up there. What is your problem, man? You know, you got a stick in your eye. You got some real problems, buddy. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to rip that. Give me that thing. I don't know what your problem is. Right? Right? You ever meet some of those people? They just can't see their own stuff. And yet they so want to judge everyone else. It's like the person who gets drunk on the weekend and yet condemns the person they see smoking. Oh, they're smoking cigarettes. But dear, you were drunk on the weekend. It doesn't matter. It's like the person who's a glutton, who's always stuffing their face, and yet criticizes the person who's bad with money. It's like somebody who doesn't serve anyone else. They're always waiting to be served themselves, but they're always critiquing the way that everyone else serves them. It's the way Judas was when he was criticizing Mary Magdalene for uh, spending money on uh, perfume to anoint Jesus when Judas is stealing from the money bag himself, right? It's this judgmental, but not able to see their own stuff. I was talking to a, a guy uh, who would, has children about my age and uh, one of his children doesn't really have too much time for Christians. And he grew up in that time. I didn't grow up in the church, uh, but I know the, the kind of person he's talking about. There was this time in, in uh, the West when Christianity was kind of at its peak, and there was a lot of religious people that didn't really know what they believed. They kind of went to church, and they didn't really know why they went to church. They thought God wanted them to look a certain way and, and speak a certain way and act a certain way. Uh, that was not things that God had said. It was just a standard that men had come up with. And so he, he says that the, the, his uh, child would often uh, hear the, some of the people criticizing other people and, and pointing out the little inconsistencies in their life, but then he'd watch them go and do the same thing in their own lives. And so he decided, well, I don't want to be a part of this. And that's true. Maybe you know some people like that. But then Jesus goes on in verse 4 to say, Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, the stick out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Let me, let me. Criticizers, uh, judgmental people often think they can solve everyone else's problems when they don't even want to deal with their own problems. Let me deal with it. And often critical people hurt other people, right? I think we've all hurt other people. I've definitely hurt other people. Some people I love, I've hurt by my words. But critical people, because they haven't had the, the mercy and the grace of Christ removing their own iniquities, rip stuff out. Just like I uh, ripped poor Paul's eye out when I ripped that stick out, right? They do more damage than they actually do good by addressing the problem. 
Sometimes it's because they're so used to it, right? Sometimes people can become so used to their own sin, their own garbage, their own baggage, that it becomes a permanent fixture. It's, notice Jesus says a stick or a splinter, something small, uh, it's not perfect, and then he says a beam. He's like meaning this thing's been sanded, this thing's been fashioned, this thing is now a permanent feature on you. It's a part of you. Sometimes if you don't deal with your stuff, your sin becomes a permanent part of who you are, your character, and it will destroy and damage your lives. I have met some people in, their, in the last little bit of their lives, and they have this such a critical spirit that they've pushed away their kids, and they've pushed away their friends, and they've pushed away everyone that loved them, but it's because they just won't address their own stuff. Sometimes you can see your own stuff, you can see the beam in your own eye, but because you aren't willing to deal with it, you're hypersensitive to people dealing with the others, the same stuff you are. David was like that. King David, if you, if you know King David, he was a, God, a man after God's own heart. He's one of the most famous kings in Israelite history. But he had a period of his life where he really tanked, where he really messed it up. And so you know the story. He uh, is in this bad phase of his life, and he's, lust is overtake him, and he goes, and he uh, sees Uriah the Hitchite's wife. He's got many wives. Uh, he could have any of them anytime he wants, but he sees somebody else's wife, and he goes and takes her for himself. And Nathan the prophet, uh, remember, God sees everything, and so God tells Nathan, this is what's happened. Nobody knows about it, but I know about it, and I am ticked, because God does not like it when people take advantage of other people. Nathan goes to David and he has this little story. He says, King, respectfully, there's a problem. Well, what is it? Well, there is this guy. He's really rich. He's got all sorts of sheep. Uh, he's, he's really wealthy. And his friend was coming from out of town. And, and there was this other guy and he's just got this one sheep, this one little lamb. And, and he loves it. And, and he brings it into the house and he cares for it. It's all he has. And so the rich man had this guy coming for dinner, and he said, instead of killing one of mine, I'm going to get the man who has only one. And he takes it from him, and he kills it, and he eats it. And Nathan says, what should I do with this man? And David says, kill him. Right? Kill him. Interesting enough, the law of Moses, which was uh, where God had laid out the laws in which the Jews would live, never said kill somebody for stealing. What the law said was, pay them back four times what you've taken. That was what the law said. But David, not willing to deal with his own garbage, the stuff he knew in his life that he thought he was hiding from everyone, was so hypersensitive that he just says, kill him. Because I think somewhere down inside of him, he knew he was the one that deserved to be punished. And that's the way we can sometimes be. We get to a place where everything stinks. Everyone is, is at fault. Everyone just doesn't measure up to us. There's, I heard this story uh, this guy told about his elderly grandpa. And he would come over uh, some Sundays for lunch, after church lunch. And so this grandpa was a real old crank. Like he was just, just always miserable about everything. And he complained through the whole lunch every time. This isn't good enough. And ah. If I cooked, it wouldn't be like this. And, you know, just one of those people, you ever meet a person, just negative, negative little things. And so, anyways, Gramps goes up, has a nap, uh, and one of the grandkids is like, I'm kind of tired of this. Let's play a, a trick on old 
grandpa. And so he takes some stinky cheese, some of dad's stinky cheese, Limburger cheese. You ever eat that uh, stinky cheese? And he takes it, and grandpa's snoring away. And so he takes some, and he's got a real thick mustache, and he sprinkles the Limburger cheese in his mustache. And so Gramps wakes up later, and he says, uh, and he wakes up, and, and the kid's just sitting in the back room, and he's listening, and he hears Grandpa say, this room stinks. And then Gramps comes out, and he starts walking down the hallway, and he says, this whole house stinks. And then he walks outside, and he says, the whole world stinks. But the, the, the pun of the joke was is that Gramps didn't know it was him that actually stinked, and because he stunk, everything else around him stinks. And this is the kind of guy that David had become, and this is the kind of guy that we can become, men and women, that we can become if we aren't willing to first examine what is in our own lives. That's what God wants us to do. First, he wants to help us deal with our own personal stuff. And then, when we deal with our own personal stuff, when we're open, when we're accountable, when we have a spirit that is teachable, when people can approach us uh, in love, when we have that kind of spirit, then, Jesus says, we're ready to start helping other people. And isn't that the kind of best kind of people you want to be around, right? People who are humble and can, can deal with their own stuff. When, when, they come, when you come to them, they don't get mad and yell at you. That's the best kind of leader. Right? That's the kind of people that we look for to be leaders, the kind of men and women that we want to be leaders in the church because they won't rip the stick out of people's eyes. They'll come along and love and they'll say, hey, I've dealt with some stuff and God has really had to work through this in me and trust me, I am not judging you, but I see this thing in your life and I want to help you. I want to help you get that out of your life because that's not the way God wants you and they gently help the person remove it instead of Ripping it out. And then verse 5, he says, Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't miss that word, hypocrite. Jesus has been using it a lot, right, in this uh, sermon series as we've been looking at. And he used it three times in chapter 6. Now, if you were here for those sermons, who were the people he was referencing every time he said hypocrite? Who was it? The Pharisees, right? The Sadducees, the religious leaders, those people who were supposed to be the humble servants of God, caring for the people, became the prideful, arrogant, self-righteous hypocrites, as Jesus calls them. And hypocrite, in the Greek, we know is stage actor. He's referring to Jesus as saying, we just hear the word and it's a bad word to us, but what it means in the Greek is stage actor, in the time where there was Greek stage actors. You're just stage actors. You're just doing everything to be heard, to be seen, and to be praised by other people. That's why he says to them in Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You travel over the land and the sea to make one convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you are. He calls them blind guides. He calls them whitewashed tomb, which means that they looked good on the outside, but inside they were filthy. They were the exact opposite kind of people that Jesus wanted in leadership in his church. And those are the exact opposite kind of people that we want in leadership 
in, a church, in our church. And they're the people that had the hardest time with Jesus. Did you notice that? Like, not only did Jesus have the hardest time with those kind of people, but they're the ones that didn't really like Jesus. And sometimes, if you're a humble person, if you're a person who, who is uh, first looking at their own garbage, other people who don't want to look at their own garbage will not like you because of it. They'll see your humble spirit. They'll see how Christ is at work in you, and they'll criticize you for it. But again, don't let what they say be the thing that brings you down. He says, first take the beam of wood out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of someone else's eye. Those are the best kind of people to be around. People who can help others are the people who have been helped themselves. Jesus says, those who have been saved from much, love much. Turn to page one, or sorry, 916. It's Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And let's see that, what Jesus is talking about. Luke chapter 7, verse 36, page 916. I'll read what's happening in the story. So Jesus is going about his business, his ministry. The Son of God is is walking around, and so he gets invited to a Pharisee's house, it says. One of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. He, Jesus, entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. They didn't have chairs, so what you would do is recline because it was a short table and pillows. That's still the way they eat in the Middle East. So she found out and came to the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would know what kind of a woman this was touching him. She's a sinner, i.e. a prostitute. Jesus replied, Simon, he's talking to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and another owed 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of these would love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who he forgave more. You are judged correctly, he said. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, which was a custom in those days. But she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, which again was a custom those days for men to give another man a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet 